today. Stephen is going to take a look at uh, the market, the stock market. Is it expensive, etc.? We're going to talk to Roger Montgomery from Montgomery Investment Management. We'll also have our market update with Henry Jennings from Marcus today. And we will start off by seeing where currencies and commodities are up to. And Stephen Pritchard. And today, Stephen Pritchard. Currencies, commodities, are we up? Are we down? How are we going with gold? A bit, of, a bit over the place. Uh, so if gold, gold was up $41.35 an ounce to $2,499. So that that's uh, up a bit. Um, and the oil price was up $1.42 a barrel to $65.84. So that's also up a bit. I thought I heard there were, the oil price was going to come down a little. Is this not happening yet? Uh, well, you got to watch what currency you're quoting in too. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. there's a big glut of oil. I mean, you know, there's there's a big glut of oil products around the world. I mean, imagine how much jet fuel is not being used at the moment. There yeah. are millions and millions of litres there. So um, the oil price has come down a lot. Mm. But you know, it has come down a lot. You're uh, right. We're talking hundred dollars a barrel. Mark to 40. was talking to someone this morning who knew what was happening here and there. And but it's always a bit of a mystery to me. I've got to say, it's, it's always a mystery. Anyone who tells you, <laughs> anyone who tells you they can predict the prices, just. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So US dollar, um, we're uh, currencies. Um, we're seventy four point four three cents against the US dollar. Um, the currency continues to drift back uh, up despite the Reserve Bank's efforts. Uh, the Great British Pound, we're five fifty five point five one pence, which once again we're up up slightly. Uh, the New Zealand dollar, one dollar and five, and the euro we're sixty one point six zero. So overall, the Australian currency is continuing to to drift up which mm. makes our exports more expensive. So is this what the Reserve Bank was trying not to let yeah, happen? Yeah, one of the reasons <laughs> they lowered interest rates was trying to push the currency down, but, but the, the, yeah, these things aren't always perfectly, you know, yes. yeah, that's the theory it should push the currency around, but it hasn't. I suppose the other theory is it could have been worse <laughs> if no, they hadn't and, done that. Anyway, yeah. 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 Um, the All Ordinaries Index um, mm. was up by 118 points on the week to 6000 965. Uh, the S&P 500 was up 6.1 to 3,672. Uh, the UK FTSE was up 74.1 to 6,490. So the equity markets all around the world were basically up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Um, you know, local investors are probably all a bit richer this week. Um, BHP's are $42.73, which is up $1.48 on the week. Uh, CBA's um, $3.62 up, which is um, $83.18. NIB is back over the $5 again. It's up $0.08 cents to $5.19. And uh, even Telstra's over the $3, uh, up $0.04 cents to $3.07. So we're all smiling. We're all smiling if we fuel? hold some of those stocks. Yes. Uh, the fuel price... Um, well, we're probably not smiling there. Uh, there was some discussion I heard on this radio station on the way in. Yes, actually. indeed. Yeah. So uh, Newcastle fuel price is a dollar twenty-five, a dollar twenty-five point seven up ten cents a litre. Uh, Sydney is a dollar ten point seven, um, and the diesel price in Newcastle is dollar nineteen point five, and the Sydney price is a dollar fifteen point eight. So fuel prices are creeping up. Creeping up, despite the um, theoretically they should be going down. I suspect because the mm, because uh, the oil prices the oil price is dropping. pretty much stable and the currency is yeah. going up. Okay, we, so it should we be import, you know, yeah. 
a great slab of our oil now. So. Well, maybe it's a Christmas present just around the corner Christmas for presents us. for the uh, oil producers, you reckon? Yeah, something like that. Well, something. Christmas presents for us, maybe it'll go down. Oh. <laughs> and it is time for our market update. Stephen Pritchard, we are welcoming along Henry Jennings. Hello to you, Henry. Hello, Henry. Hello. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Jane. How are you? We're good. We're good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, and you're good? <laughs> I am fine and dandy. Let Excellent. us um, rest assured that we're all okay. We're all and okay. <laughs> We've got one week to go, so we'll be even better then. Yeah, well, yeah. no doubt. And then yes. it'll be Christmas, so we and can And then it'll be Christmas, and then we can yeah. get rid of this year. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, a couple of things happening on the market. Dalrymple Bay infrastructure listed on the A6, and uh, it wasn't uh, a bit disappointing, I'd say is probably the word. Um, I wouldn't say disappointing. I would say pretty much as expected, to be honest. They, they, they re- this is a coal infrastructure asset, and they tried really hard not to actually talk about coal because coal is a bit of a dirty word at the moment, and, and we're all embracing the green side of our, our personalities and our energy equation. And so they've tried to distance themselves, from, especially from um, the uh, thermal coal, which is the stuff used in power stations, mm-hmm. and focused on the, on the high-end coking coal, which is the stuff that goes into steelmaking. And the big attraction of this uh, coal asset, which wasn't a coal asset, was the yield, which they were touting at around 7%. Well, unfortunately, the, uh, the stock came on, and it was a uh, $2.57, I think it was, the issue price, and they're currently trading around $2.15. So this is one of the... Um, this is one of the float flops, and we've seen very few float flops. It's a neat term. Yeah, you like that? I'm yeah, float flop. That the other Never day. heard of that well, before. Well, well, we've got float frenzy, and this is a float flop. So um, it's a bit like the Frosby flop. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah. That was this, probably this, more successful. That was far more successful than this one. So, um, yes, I mean, the jury remains out, but there have been a, you know, there's been some great floats recently. Newix from Macquarie was a stunner. Uh, almost doubled the uh, the IPO price, although it has been steadily declining as I think people take their profits. But uh, yeah, it's been a bit of an end of year float frenzy. But this mm. one failed to failed to fire. Failed to fire. But something that is firing, which is surprising, is the iron ore prices are, 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 are firing away. Continue to go up. They are. They are. I mean, this. Um, I think that the big kicker was the revelation from Vale in Brazil that its production forecast for next year was going to fall short yet again. And they've mm-hmm. had a, a litany of these production forecasts falling short. And the problem the Chinese have, and the great thing for our iron ore miners, is that there is very little alternative. So Tina is very much prevalent in the iron ore market. It's hard to replace Australian iron ore. And with Brazil sort of still struggling a little bit to get back on its feet in Vale in particular, the Chinese iron ore production is only around 15% of what they need. So us and Brazil fill the gap. So despite all the machinations behind the scenes about timber, barley, wine, meat, all the other trade issues that we have, iron ore is just piling on the dollars. 150 bucks in US dollar mm-hmm. terms which is an all-time high in Aussie dollar terms, above 200, which is higher. You remember last time it got to 187 mm-hmm. dollars in US terms, where the Aussie dollar was $1.10 then. It was just over parity. So here we are at 74 cents with the iron ore price at $1.50. It's quite extraordinary. Yes, and uh, 
wonder how long all this is going to last. And well, it shows no sign of abating, I have to say. No, and Vale gets back on its feet. That's, that's where it's going. Yeah, and then there's the big Chinese project in Guinea called Simantu, but that's still three to five that, years away. Yeah. Um, and a surprising bid from Bios Super for Impertel. Yeah, these guys are stretching their muscles recently. They've, they've had a couple of goes at some some big ASX-listed companies, and uh, Australian Super have come out of the woodwork, and they're bidding for New Zealand company Infratril. Um, interestingly, the, the stock didn't really... The stock has gone pretty well, but, um, of course, they rebuffed the, the offer, um, and it did seem to already be pretty much in the... Um, in the price, which had already rushed up in anticipation of it. So it'll be interesting to see how this one goes. But uh, Infotril at the moment saying, as usual, shareholders do nothing um, and uh, wait for more information. But they really said that it's, you know, that it's undervaluing the company as it always is. This is a renewable energy company. OK, we'll come back in a minute and have a talk about Link. Yes. Thanks, <laughs> we will link it together. We're in the middle of our market update, uh, taking a look at specific stocks in the market with Henry Jennings from Markers Today. Uh, so, Stephen Pritchard, who are we talking about next? Uh, link Group. There was a uh, takeover offer, oh, it must have been six weeks ago, and we had a revised offer from another group this week. We did. Actually, my, my daughter is a Georgie girl, just as a matter of fact. Oh. She's, um, She's a Georgia, so That's she was kind of named after that song, and Georgia on my mind. So, so, so well, I just said, have you seen the the video clip on that? So, does she have a hairstyle like that Georgia girl in that video clip? Penny? No, no. When uh, thought the song so. is very, the song is very apt for my daughter. Anyway, okay. back to um, back to the Link Group. Yeah, they they they've been the subject of a, a lot of approaches. Really, they're the most popular girl at the dance at the moment, mm-hmm. and they've had a bid from a U.S. technology company. Uh, called SS and C, which is, as usual, one of these non-binding indicative bids. Five dollars mm-hmm. sixty-five uh, in cash, which is a good bid. Certainly, was hoping to knock the opposition out of the way. Uh, the company, as usual, have said the usual, um, not enough, to go mm-hmm. away. But they have offered to let SS and C do some due diligence on them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The stock's trading just a little bit below that at the moment, but the market does believe that we will get some sort of bidding war uh, over this one. So certainly more to come for this one, that's for sure. Right. And then uh, another takeover offer that um, that uh, seems to have been dragging on forever, uh, the offer for Village, um, the cinema, and um, it's, done. it's done now. Yeah, cinema and it was done on Monday, Tuesday, cinema and... Uh, Theme park. Theme park. You wonder That's if the wild. private equity is buying this right at the bottom of the market when the theme parks are shut, the cinema businesses are shut. I don't know. It's an, an interesting one, isn't it? It's, it I, think, I think if I was um, paraphrasing Sir Humphrey, it is a very courageous move, Minister. Mm-hmm. Um, cinemas have been very much uh, on the nose, and we've even seen Warner Brothers uh, release all their new movies now simultaneously on streaming as they do at the movies, which has invoked the ire of director Christopher Nolan to quite high profile. So, yes, but the BGH, which is a private equity company, has uh, bid for and is going to win this one at $3. It's all gone through. The shareholders have voted. So, finally, this uh, it's a bit of a family feud saga mm-hmm. as well in the background. So, finally, this is all going to be put to bed shareholders should be relatively happy I would imagine with the outcome it's probably not the best outcome in the world as 
COVID has made them certainly less attractive. They were four bucks before COVID hit. But uh, I guess in light of the changes to consumer consumption of television, film and even theme parks, um, probably not a bad result. Yes. And then uh, IGO Limited, which is the old independence group, is paying $1.9 billion to buy a 25% stake in Australia's top lithium producer from a Chinese investment company. Yes, I mean this is. I wrote this one up this morning in the newsletter. It's the most complicated thing in the world. This whole lithium thing. The lithium market's taken off. Everybody wants to get long lithium because of the electric vehicle boom. Mm-hmm. The, the, the only problem, the only fly in the ointment of that argument is the lithium price has actually collapsed in the last few years and has stayed collapsed. Now, obviously, IGO is taking a very large bet that that won't remain the case. You'll remember that West Farmers bought Kidman mm-hmm. resources um, on the same basis. That wasn't particularly well-timed. And this Chinese company, they bought a big stake in uh, a Chilean lithium producer called SQM, and as a result took on a heap of debt, which they haven't been able to finance, and as a result got themselves into a bit of a pickle. So along comes IGO, and they've helped them out of this pickle, and they now have a big interest in the world's largest and most profitable hard rock lithium mine in Western Australia called Greenbushes, which is um, a massive, massive coup, I guess, for IGO, especially as you consider it it seems unlikely that the Chinese would have given away such a strategic asset uh, quite so easily, but it does appear that they have. So it's a bit of a coup for IGO. It remains to be seen whether the, the lithium price will increase and they will get the payback, but certainly that is the hope in the coming years that this great growth in green technology, EV, batteries, Musk, etc., will drive uh, the lithium carbonate price back up, and they will get their just rewards. So time will tell. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Henry. Um, time will tell, and we'll see you next week. Hear, hear you next week, Henry. I am. I am next week. That'll we, be the we, last of the year, I we, believe. We might, have a, we might have a tip for next year. I'll think of something and you can think of something. Okay. okay. A, Christ, a, a Christmas tip. A Christmas tip. A Christmas, Christmas tip. tip sounds oh, good. It's like a Christmas tipple. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Henry. Thanks, Henry. <laughs> and Henry Jennings, who is a senior market commentator at Marcus Today. And you heard him on 2NURFM's Thursday Finance. It is 26 to 1. And in just a moment... We're going to have a look at the st- the stock market, aren't we, aren't we, Steve? We're going to talk to Roger Montgomery um, from uh, Montgomery Investment Management. He's going to talk about um, is the market too expensive, um, Momo or Roro, um, uh, some phrase he's invented, and uh, residential property investors, are they a protected species? So we have some questions to find out the answers to, and that will all be happening in just a moment. We're joined now by Roger Montgomery, who is the Chief Investment Officer and founder of Montgomery Investment Management, and uh, he knows all about the market, so why don't we find out some of his knowledge? <laughs> I'm sure he's got plenty of knowledge, haven't Hello, you, Roger? Roger. I, um, I, not as much as others, but more than some. <laughs> Excellent. A very diplomatic answer. So, uh, is the market expensive, Roger? Oh, look, it's a, it's a terrific question. It's one that I'm being asked more and more, um, uh, which is right. I, I wrote a, a piece on it uh, on our blog recently. The typical way that, we, that, that many investors assess that question um, is, is by looking at historical um, comparisons. So 
Um, one of those is to look at a, a PE ratio, for example, and see where it is compared to an average or see where it is compared to the past. Now, the PE ratio is a price-to-earnings ratio. What that means is that you're comparing the price of the stock or the, the com company's shares to how much it earns. And, and it, the, the higher that number the more years it will take for you to be paid back for your investment, assuming there was no growth in those earnings. Now, there's a huge problem with PE ratios. They don't say much about value, for example. They say a lot about the price, but the price is already pretty plain, plainly visible to everybody. Um, so, so to try and deal with the issue of volatility in the price-to-earnings ratio and, and various other shortcomings, um, uh, the Nobel uh, Prize winner, um, Robert Schiller, the economist, he came up with a, uh, an alternative called the CAPE-Schiller ratio. And CAPE stands for cyclically adjusted PE. So essentially what he did was adjust the earnings by inflation um, and then look at them over the last 10 years, take the average of the last 10 years and then compare the price to that 10-year average earnings. And it's really interesting because he said a couple of things about this ratio after he, after he built it. He said, look, it's no good. I've worked out it's no good at predicting a crash. So even if it's very, very high, it doesn't mean the market's going to crash. But what it is very good at is it, it's good at predicting the average return from the stock market over the next 10 years. So at the moment on the US index, the, the major index, which is the S&P 500, the 500 biggest companies in the United States, that ratio sits at about 32 or 33 times. And, and what that means is that uh, it means that uh, you're, you're paying a price that is 33 times the 10-year average earnings for the last 10 years, and that happens to be pretty much the second highest it's been since 1870. So you go all the way back to 1870, and the ratio has only been higher, much higher, once before, and that was during the technology stock bubble of 1999 and early 2000. And we know how that ended. That ended pretty badly. But again, I remind everyone that it's not predicting a crash. It's predicting what the return might be, remembering that there's a very simple rule in investing. The higher the price you pay the lower your return. So if you're paying a very high PE ratio or a P price to earnings multiple for a company's shares, you're likely to be locking in a lower rate than you otherwise would have received if uh, the, the PE ratio had been a lot lower. So the implied return at the current PE ratio for the next 10 years is about 1.6%. So it's suggesting that if you were to buy an index fund today based on the S&P 500, you're going to receive a return of no more than no more than one and a half, no 1.6 percent, less than less than two percent over the next 10 years. Now, to me, that doesn't sound like a very um, it doesn't sound like a very compelling number to be putting millions of dollars into the stock market over. Um, but that's why we have, pardon me, that's why we have uh, active managers, active fund managers and, and individual stocks. We're not buying the index. We're buying uh, individual companies. And even within an expensive stock market, you can find companies that might be cheap, companies that have been left behind, companies that whose business 
hasn't gone very well in the short term but might might return to profitability or might return to superior performance in the future. And if you buy those stocks rather than the market, you you might do much better than the market. Um, so that, that particular ratio suggests that the market is, uh, is expensive. Um, and then there's another one that is quite popular these days, and it's it's the market capitalization, so the, the market value of all stocks, compared to uh, the, uh, the size of the economy. And so the, the, the one that's usually um, measured is the US, uh, the US market being the one that influences many other markets, if not all of them. Uh, and so when you look at that particular ratio, um, it is the stock market's market capitalization is about 180% of the uh, the value of the economy, and so Warren Buffett uh, first referred to this particular ratio in the 80s, and then in at the Sun Valley Conference, um, which is basically a conference run by Allen and Co, a consulting business, um, and it's a conference held just for U.S. billionaires uh, and tech entrepreneurs and media media titans. Um, in 1999, uh, Warren Buffett used this ratio to predict the stock market crash. Uh, of 2000 and then in 2007-2008 he also pointed to the fact that the ratio was very high again and of course we had the GFC and then at the depths of the GFC he said the ratio was very low and of course then the market recovered. So because he used that ratio, Warren Buffett being the, the, the investment billionaire, because he used that ratio three times to predict the market accurately, people rely on this particular um, measure. The thing is though it hasn't instantly gone up to 100 80%. In fact, it's been rising steadily um, since 2010, and it's been more expensive than the market since about 2014. So if you'd sold it based on this, if you'd sold the stock market based on this ratio being expensive back in 2014, you would have missed six years of stock market gains and, and quite phenomenal gains as well. Yeah, so that's so, it's interesting that these ratios always don't work. We might just have a quick break and come back and talk about um, what's being talked about now is rotating from a value from growth stocks into into value uh, yeah. and cyclical sections of the market. Rotation out of the out of the growth stocks or the momentum stocks to uh, cyclical and value stocks, which have been out of favour for a long time. Is this kind of all happening, Roger? It sure is. Um, so what's basically happened is the, you know, I'm reminded of uh, a verse in the in the Bible, um, actually, where it says that the the last will be first and the first will be last, and that's exactly what's happening in the stock market in November. So during lockdown, of course, people were stuck. I'll give you an example. People were stuck at home. Um, they uh, they had to work from home. They didn't have their boss over their shoulders. So what did they do with their time? They, you know, surf the internet and uh, and go and buy stuff. So there was a massive surge in e-commerce in Australia, and consequently, companies like Kogan saw their share price rise over five hundred and fifty percent in just a few months. At the same time, you had companies like Flight Centre, uh, which obviously was going through a, a really difficult uh, transition, uh, consolidating its store network, shutting its shutting th- literally hundreds and hundreds of stores, um, and its share price fell uh, 72%. But then what's happened is that's reversed in November. So Kogan, as a result of the uh, vaccine announcements and an emergence, you know, the hope of an emergence out of lockdown and a return to some sort of normality, um, Kogan's share price 
myself about 35% just in the month of November. Uh, and then Flight Centre was off, uh, sorry, Flight Centre was up uh, about a quarter by about 26%. So that rotation is starting to happen. Um, and, and we're fortunate in Australia. So investors in Australia, I think, are very lucky because um, we can, we've got the vaccine news that's, that's been announced globally. We've got that news. But we can also, because it's summertime and people are going to go on holidays, we can get a sense uh, you know, we can't necessarily articulate it very well, but we can get a sense of what it's like to be COVID-free. But in the Northern Hemisphere, they've got the announcement of the vaccine, but they don't really have that that good feeling of returning to normality. They've still got fear mm-hmm. around being infected. So we're, we're kind of ahead of them just because of the way the seasons have fallen. We're ahead of them in terms of seeing what it's going to be like on the other side. And so we've started that rotation towards what what you described as value stocks, so stocks that have been uh, potentially cheaper on the, on the price-to-earnings multiple spectrum, which we were talking about earlier. But in the United States, they've yet to catch on to that in a big way. And so when that happens, that'll drive ours even further. So I don't think that you've missed the rotation just because it's already happened in one month. I think it could last a lot longer. Um, and consequently, those companies that were last throughout 2020, those companies that perhaps suffered the most, they could be the companies that actually do the best um, going forward. But, of course, you have to look at each individual company yep. and its prospects. I mean, this is one of the most important things that people kind of generally don't understand. I mean, you know, people ask me, was the market up today or down today? Unless you, unless you actually uh, own the, the index um, or an index fund, it doesn't mean anything where the market is. It's, it's, what, your individual, exactly. it's what your individual holdings are that really yeah. is what matters. And, and you know, yeah, we were saying we were saying a moment ago that the market seemed expensive, but that's the market in aggregate. And you rightly point out, Stephen, um, the uh, the market in aggregate could be expensive, but within that, the leadership could change. So companies that were leading the market higher before may come off, but you could still do very well not owning those businesses, but owning those companies that you described as value stocks or those that were, um, those that were, I guess, the, the COVID losers. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know you've got a rush, uh, Roger. Thanks for coming on and uh, have a good Christmas. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again next year. I look forward to it. A Merry Christmas to you both and, and to everyone. Thanks, Thank Roger. you, Roger, and to you. That's Roger Montgomery from Montgomery Investment Management. And, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting things there. It's also Thursday Finance for Thursday today. For us and one more Thursday Finance. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.